Hi, this is Ryan Berg, a research fellow in Latin America Studies at the American Enterprise Institute, and I'm here with Eric Farnsworth, who's the Vice President of the America Society, Council of the Americas. Today we're talking about Peru's tumultuous week. What the heck is going on in Peru in a week where the country had not just one, not just two, but three different presidents? So what's going on, Eric? <laughs> well, I thought you were going to tell us. That was the whole point. Uh, you know, this is a situation that uh, I guess has been building for some time in Peru. Uh, you have a tumultuous legislature. That's probably the best word we can use at this point, uh, which uh, found itself at the losing end of an anti-corruption campaign by the then president, Martin Vizcarra, uh, and uh, using a uh, a process that is constitutional in Peru, but nonetheless dubious in the context of how it was applied. Uh, Martin Vizcarra was impeached. The head of the legislature took over. Uh, hilarity ensued. Uh, so the uh, you know so the cliche goes. But in reality, people went to the streets in Peru and protested, and he was forced out. And now the legislature has installed Francisco Sagasti as the new president uh, and uh, elections will take place or are supposed to take place in Peru in April of this coming year. So that's a quick snapshot, but uh, what does it all mean, Ryan, tell us. Well, I think one thing that it certainly highlights uh, is the lack of checks and balances within uh, the Peruvian system. You have uh, a, uh, a line of succession there that makes it quite tempting for a, for a Congress that doesn't want to play nice with with a president and any time that there is these natural frictions between the executive and the legislative branch, uh, people start thinking about the uh, the impeachment clause uh, as as a, a viable viable vehicle to uh, to remove the sitting president. I think another thing here is that some of these anti-corruption reforms that Viscaro was spearheading were incredibly popular and in many cases were getting very close to uh, to sitting legislatures sitting legislators. Uh, the Congress, we should note, uh, is a place where uh, 68 members uh, are currently under investigation, really for anything from uh, ranging from graft uh, to, to homicide. So uh, this is an institution that is uh, uh, on, on dubious moral footing uh, and was uh, in uh, a competition with a president that was incredibly popular. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the timing of this couldn't be worse, right? I mean, you know, in the midst of a COVID crisis, Peru early on closed down uh, on COVID, got a lot of positive uh, reactions from the international community, but did not seem to uh, get it under control. And now we're in another situation where it's really devastating the country and the economy. And and instead of dealing with that, the legislature wants to throw out the president, uh, a popular president, just mere months before an election. Uh, it just really boggles the mind in terms of some of the priorities there. Um, what I'm concerned about, though, over the longer term is, you know, does the political shenanigans that's been occurring, uh, does that bleed into the economy? Peru's economy, as you've written, uh, effectively has uh, over the last several years actually done pretty well in the context of uh, growth and uh, economic development, uh, particularly compared to the neighbors and peer group uh, that it's in. Uh, but uh, many analysts have suggested over the years that the economy kind of goes off on one track and politics goes off on another other track, and they don't really infect each other. I wonder at what point do international investors begin to say, well, this place is just too to uh, unstable for us and uh, the economy really begins to suffer from that. That would be a huge setback, particularly in a moment when the country needs 
uh, renewed investment to uh, refloat uh, and to address the really deep economic recession that's uh, occurred because of COVID. Yeah, I think that's right. This rebuilding uh, after COVID might be the one where investors say, uh, look, Peru hasn't been able to match its economic development, its rapid economic development with a a sort of art of stable governance. Uh, And this is a huge problem for us. Uh, As you mentioned, Eric, the the contraction, according to the IMF, uh, is going to be very deep in in Peru, probably the deepest uh, in the region. We're talking double digits here. And the, in the IMF's uh, real nightmare scenario, they predict a contraction of about 14%. Um, so while you had the fastest growth rate of any large economy in Latin America between 2003 and 2019, you're also going to have one of the fastest rates of contraction uh, in the region uh, after the, uh, the coronavirus pandemic is all sorted out. And so this might be the time that investors look at Peru and say, you know what, uh, it's just not stable enough uh, for me to put my money back there uh, as I was before the pandemic. It's definitely going to be something that people will take a look at, that's for sure. Meanwhile, you've got China that's looming out there, which sees Peru as a, as a real opportunity and has apparently some disposable income. So that could be a challenge for, for Western values uh, coming forward. I think you're right. It's going to be a, 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 real, a real issue going forward. You know, I think if there's a silver lining here in all of this, um, hopefully it would be that uh, leaders in Peru and frankly around Latin America would recognize that some of the informality that has dominated the Peruvian economy over the years really needs to be addressed and people need to be moved into the formal economy with all the job uh, protections that that offers. Hopefully that'll be something that'll come out of the crisis. Ryan, good to talk to you. Thanks for the conversation, Eric. You got it.